Hi, this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we're talking about the American justice system, famously hilarious, some state propaganda, but like in a, a super chill way, and also how certain fruits are trying to kill you. Strap in. Let's get into it. Hey, Steven. How's your day? Hey, Laura. My day is fabulous. Thank you for asking. It's been productive and chill. How's yours been? Ooh, productive and chill. Yeah. Mine has been a non-stop, action-packed, exciting extravaganza of a morning. Oh, really? Oh, yes. That's exciting. Is it exciting? Good. That's exactly the word I used to describe it. Yeah, no, um, up with the sun sunrise, laced up my high tops, went, oh, no. went to the gym. The gym is like packed for a December. Every, it, everyone's like, it's not even January. People are choosing to make good life choices far too soon for my liking. And, and then, you know, you come back, you work, and you make more work. And then you're like, hey, how about some podcasting? Right? Do you think people are doing the New Year's resolution gym thing early? Like they're doing... You know what? We're we're tired of like New Year's resolutions. We're doing mid-December resolutions. We're getting ahead of our goals. And like we're gonna go to the gym now a lot. I think that would be super cool if everybody was like, no, we gotta, we gotta get ahead of the ball. Uh, right? we gotta we gotta work hard beforehand. Like if everyone stopped procra procrastinating, I would I would be so happy for them. Right? Like can't relate, but it's so happy for them in particular. Like it's super unlikely that that's, that's what it is, but I mean, what if it was? I think my, my suspicion is that our gym has just been very successful at a couple of marketing blasts lately. So they're getting more people in and a couple of the classes are filling up a lot more quickly just because we have more bodies to throw at them. Right. Plus I've been taking a couple of classes that were newer and are being taught by instructors that people like more than previous instructors. So I think all of these things together are creating the unfortunate experience I have in the parking lot every morning. Oh man, what, no parking whatsoever today? Oh, there was some parking. Did you have to fight someone, stab them, stab them I, a little I bit? Had to, I had to fight several people. Oh wow. Um, and it was all in cars, so you know, Mad Max. How many people ended up in the hospital? Uh, fifth, fifth. <laughs> a fifth, a fifth of them, a fifth of the entire crowd. Holy Jesus, Lord! Oh, sorry. Let me let me respond better. None of your business. <laughs> None of my business. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. We don't really want to incriminate you of crimes on a public podcast. For all you listening out there. How many people did Laura stab? None of our business. So wow, stabbing. Dude, you would be the worst lawyer. What? No, I would be a great lawyer. I would be the best lawyer you You're ever. You're like introducing charges that no one, no one thought existed. No, but I'd be so whimsical. They'd be like, wow, like you're just like the most whimsical and magical lawyer I've ever met. Yes, the most desirable thing from a member of the legal profession is whimsy. This person, I feel like they deserve 20 years in prison, but because of their lawyer, because they were so charming, I'm going to say five. That's it. Oh, actually, speaking of which, did you see that um, CNN headline that, w that communicated a woman who had been convicted of like throwing a plate at a Chipotle employee oh, was yeah. sentenced two months, 60 days working at a fast food restaurant, oh, yeah. also 30 days in jail. So she was given the option 
to have 90 days in jail or 30 days in jail and 60 days as a fast food restaurant employee. I read that last night and I was like, huh, I huh. have, I have an emotional response to this. It's, it's a couple of things at once. Did, did you hear about this? I saw it on your Instagram feed and I am all about it. I love that idea. No, it's fascinating, right? Because on the one hand, ooh, what a fitting punishment for a crime. But on the other hand, a judge sentencing you to labor feels weird to me. Mm. Like it's not, it's not bad. And in this case, it has a sort of poetic justice to it, but it's, it wouldn't be the first instance of, of a judge in history sentencing people to labor. And I keep thinking about how in America we're having challenges filling certain job niches, mm -hmm. especially in like the lower paying job realms. And if judges start doing that, then that's an interesting new thing that the justice system does. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I mean, we have to ask ourselves, how different is this sentencing from a judge giving someone 60 days of community service where they have to go pick up trash and beautify their area? That is a job that still needs to get done by people. There are actual janitorial services that do that kind of thing. So like, how is that? No, that's that's like... How is that different? That's a, that is a good question. I don't know if it's different in the material way because normally if you work at a job, you get paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, community service, you perform for free. Is she spending 60 days doing unpaid restaurant labor? That's a good question. I don't know. This, this is information I do not have. If it if it is unpaid labor, then it is it's almost no different. If it's paid labor, it's just strange. It's just, it's just a curious thing, you know. And I'm not against in general labor being given for crimes of varying sorts, like the the low tier crimes, giving people some form of labor in response to that. Mm. That's that's interesting. It's it's probably fine, maybe even good. I always thought that there should be a branch of the military that's just civil service and you like build stuff at home, like the engineering corps. And, anyway, so to me, there's like a, a similarity in my brain. There's a similarity between sentencing someone to labor and also having a domestic national force that performs certain jobs. I guess I kind of see that. Kind of like the WPA during during the New Deal era. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I'm just thinking about when you are sentenced to jail, mm -hmm. sometimes you end up doing labor anyway. You end up doing oh, laundry yeah. or cooking or whatnot. So is it not just a kinder version of that sentence? Like they're still sent, they might still send, sentence her to labor anyway if she's in jail, whereas she can be on the outside and on the outside of the big house, yeah. uh, but still has to do labor. So I don't, to me, it's not that different from the free labor that prisoners perform in oh, jail. Prisoners do actually get paid. Uh, but like seven labor. cents an yeah, hour or something. Very little. That, like, and that's, that's another reason why I'm free. like, that's another reason why, why I am curious about the specific details. Like, are you compensated for this labor? Yeah. And at what rate? And it, it is probably beneficial from a societal perspective, if you were going to change sentencing from jail to jail alternatives, because our, our jail system doesn't have enough, we don't have enough bunks for the people that we're throwing at the justice system. Yeah. So our solution previously to that has been private prisons. 
which is, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at no your bueno. face and you've got a grimace and I, mm-hmm. I fully agree. Private prisons are no good. Bad news. So to have an alternative to simple jail is kind of nice. I just want to know the details. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like I've never heard of a case like this. I wonder if it's the first of its kind or if other judges have done this in the past. I don't know. So zooming in on the person that committed this crime, right? They threw some food item at this fast food worker and they got sentenced to do the labor of the person that they insulted and wronged, right? Uh I love that. That feels like a Hallmark movie or that feels like a a Christmas moral tale of you're, you're Scrooge and you punished your workers. And so now you have to see what it would be like for them and walk a mile in their shoes I'm talking at some random strings here, no, totally. but I, I just, I like the idea of, of that journey because not only do they serve their time, but they also, I think would get a, will get a better, better appreciation for the labor that goes into that, the day-to-day struggles that, that people in mm-hmm. that particular position go through. So they do their time, but they also learn a lesson, like a very specific lesson. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that about it. And yeah. I think that's why yeah. uh, it was such a popular headline because it, it does suggest, oh, this is a new form of rehabilitation. Yeah. And to be fair, we're like 150 years late on improving rehabilitation techniques oh, 100%. for um, American prisons. Like the, pr- the prison system we have currently was an evolution from the medieval prison system. So we had a bunch of Puritans look at the medieval prison system, which among other things would put you in prison for debt and also would not provide you food. Like you had to pay for your food and bedding and everything else when you were imprisoned under the old medieval system of imprisonment. You're shaking your head and you're absolutely right. Like this was, you know how a bunch of people back in the olden days perished in prison? A lot of times they were starving to death because they were in debtor's prison, did not have money to pay for food or would go deeper in debt by paying for food. And like, it's just bad news bears, right? Like nobody likes it. It's brutal. It's ugly. It produces more more cadavers than rehabilitation like it has it has nothing to recommend it so the puritans in like the 1600s 1700s were like this is terrible we're gonna do new prison a prison focused on rehabilitation and the thought was that if you put people into these tiny little cells and gave them time to think they would move closer to god and thus be rehabilitated and also you should provide them bedding and you should provide them food and uh recreation and things that that build their spirits. So access to books, the Bible, classes go into prisons, that sort of thing. That's the Puritan idea of prison. And that's what we currently are working off of. Mm -hmm. It is a vast improvement from former versions of prison. But I think everyone would agree that the current American justice system is still quite brutal. It is antiquated. It is. It's it's antiquated Mm -hmm. for sure. and, And it's rough stuff. So if we're moving to a different sentencing system where our aim is still greater rehabilitation, then this, this story, sentencing someone who was, was violent to a fast food employee to be a fast food employee, beautiful, great, less, less meat for the grinder. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was just an interesting thing that I read and I had a lot of thoughts about it. Yeah, I I really like that. I'm trying to think of equivalent punishments 
like if you stole a car, would you then have to work at a car lot? I don't, I don't know, because then you might be inclined to steal another car. That's not yeah, really. That, that's that's <laughs> so, a terrible idea. Like right? someone has already done Grand Theft Auto. You're <laughs> right? not going to give them more autos to Here's Grand some Theft. more cars. You could just, you don't steal them. We'd like if you didn't steal them, learn to exist with the cars without taking them. <laughs> I think there are better equivalencies, but we tend to, when we talk about people in prison, the sentence is, you did a bad thing around X, mm-hmm. around this thing. So we're going to take you away from this thing because we can't trust you with that thing anymore. So no more. You do a financial crime, white collar financial crime, you're no longer allowed to touch money. Like you just can't. Crime against minors, you are no longer allowed to be around minors and you have to register in, in your state or your mm-hmm. city or whatever. But I would love to see some creative judges giving people equivalent crimes for what they did yeah, you know, in yeah. a way that doesn't endanger resources or the pe- or people. <laughs> yeah, in a them. way that is pro-social, right? like benefits society and reforms the criminal. Right. I love that. I, I, I want to hear more stories about this. Now Now I have to go look up this article because... It's... Yeah, now we have to go deeper. We have to find out who this judge is. We have to find out exactly what the terms of the sentence are. How much is she being paid to be... A fast food employee. Right? Imagine if she's getting paid more. What an insult more? to the, more than the fast food employees are getting paid. Like, oh, that. I mean, that seems literally impossible. That would be that would be insane, right? Yes, it would. I yeah, agree. It'd be crazy. Yeah, so crazy that I'm not going to just like. You're like, I'm not going to entertain it. that. But you just did. You just acknowledged it. Anyway, doesn't matter. But Good, you've won today. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> I win every day. Every day that I every day above ground, I win again. Right. Right. We all do. Sophocles agrees. He's sitting here purring, hanging out. And every day, every day is a good day. Every day that you are here and able to be present, you can enjoy another sunset, another sunrise. It's a good day. You know, even if you are throwing fast food at fast food employees and then being sentenced to be a fast food employee or you're the fast food employee having food thrown at them. Yeah. It's actually my considered opinion that everyone should work customer service at least once in their life. Oh, 100%. For reasons that are obvious to you and for reasons that would be obvious to any of you listeners who have worked in customer service at any point in their careers, uh, you just, it's hard to develop the specific kind of empathy necessary until you do it. Oh, yeah. For a lot of people. And you learn a lot, too. You learn a lot about something you didn't really, you just had no idea about. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a fun opportunity for learning, an opportunity for empathy. And I think it sticks with you the rest of your life. I will never forget working at a deli when I was like 15 or 19. I was very young. Worked yeah. at a deli at a, inside of a grocery store. And I learned a lot about meats, learned mm-hmm. a lot about cheeses, cut a lot of meat and cheeses for customers. I was very concerned about that incredibly sharp saw blade that you just casually, that they're sending 19-year-olds to go cut meat and saying, don't put your finger in it, though. Don't get your finger anywhere close to it, even though these are kids, right? Just hoping that they don't cut themselves. Anyway, had a really good experience there. Learned about a lot of fun salads. And I definitely have a greater appreciation for the people that work in the deli after the fact because it gets cold back there. Mm -hmm. People can be impatient and demanding and unrealistic. People people are very mean to customer service employees for some reason. Like they feel like they feel like they have a right to be. I'm not saying everyone, but enough people are mean to fast food employees or customer service employees that like it's kind of a problem. We have we should do something about it. You know, I find that 
more people than you would expect are really bad at, at, at interacting with other human beings. So I've performed a number of customer service jobs in my life. And my observation about the grant, like human beings writ large, mm -hmm. the larger population, is that some of them are very badly civilized. And it's not even about you or about the experience of being a customer service employee. You watch them interact with their families and they're that bad. Oh, yeah. You watch them interact with anyone in their circle and they're that bad. So at first I thought it was about disrespect, that I was being disrespected because I was considered lower than, than their peer. But then I watched closer and I watched them interact with their peers and they're just like, they're, they have very bad social skills. They're just terrible to everyone. Like they're a little bit feral. I, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I, I don't take it personally at all because no one who has ever been mean to me has been very polite to other people. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, this is a you problem. Yeah, you're not the exception. They're not going, hello, John. Hello, Clarissa. How lovely to see you. And then they're like, and then Laura, they're like, jump off a bridge. Exactly. I hate you. Why? I don't know. Something about your face. Yeah, I, I would like to be really, really belligerent and unrealistic to you in particular, and then reasonable and kind to everyone else. Dude, that has never occurred. Can you imagine, though, if you encountered someone that was just the nicest, sweetest person in the world to everyone else, and then to you, they were just like, treated you like dirt like that would that would be kind of traumatizing no like, that would be like a moment to look within like and like this... to take a poll of the people surrounding you to be like are you seeing this and yeah. do you know what it means because if they are and they're like oh then that says something but if they're not that also says something like am i just imagining this are they negging me like are, are they are, are they attracted to me and they're trying to like ingratiate myself through like tearing me down i've seen that before oh, yeah. and that that sometimes explains where people are, are mean specifically to one person uh weirdly it's somewhat effective like it's not something that i practice but i've seen it and i, I, I it don't was know a very it popular works. tactic before like 2017 mm, yeah yeah when oh yeah back when when pickup artists and everything oh, yeah. that whole culture was picking up and it was getting very popular with those specific group of people the early 20th century mm -hmm. uh pickup artists yeah the game oh the, etc yeah. mm -hmm. those people are interesting yeah i wonder yeah. what they're doing now you know that's that's a guys google what various pickup artists who were popular in the 2000 aughts and early 2010s are doing like what is tucker max up to oh, tucker max i don't even know their names you know their names i i, I would read his website i <laughs> i spent a lot of time on blogs yeah. in the aughts also a lot of time on the darwin awards which had a tucker maxian quality i imagine some of them after the me too era really learned to button up your behavior I imagine some of them are out there um, saying it's really hard dating out there, isn't it, guys? Isn't it, fellas? Like trying to get oh, guys yeah. to commiserate with them. Lots of men are really convinced that it's very difficult to date just right now. Mm -hmm. And the just specific right re the specific reason that it's hard to date just right now is that women are mean and have unrealistic expectations and so on. Well, I mean, that's that's what they that's what they chalk it up to. Yeah, I, I, that's that is their stated reason. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, actually, I mean, that's, there is that's definitely... Not what I've, that's Sorry, not what I've heard. From, what, what have you heard? Tell me. So I heard this specifically from a guy who was, who was leading a class at a yoga festival that we went to. Oh, yeah. It was like the men's only tent. And 
he was very candid and he said, guys, it's hard, it's hard to date out there because you can get in trouble for a lot of things that you don't necessarily mean. Like he was talking about the fact that you can't make advances the way you used to, like you can't reach out and touch a woman and like it could be misconstrued. Uh, like you could get, you could basically get in trouble very quickly. Mm. And I was like, that just sounds like you're using outdated dating tactics that, that require consent. Well, in, yeah, yeah. And how old was he? He was 30 something. Ooh, I yeah, he was like, like he was like 30, 40. That I, yeah. I, oh, I, I don't like that at all. Yeah. But and some I guys hear... were nodding along. They're like, yeah, it is hard dating these days. Yeah. Dude. I did hear from my, my mom, friend of the show and boomer extraordinaire that when the stuff came out about President Biden's inappropriate touching of a woman on his staff, like back in the seventies or eighties, uh, her response to it was, yeah, that's just how men used to flirt back then. Right. Like such a generational difference. And, and it is such a generational difference. It, it, it's kind of like everything else in our society, how we've just we've just gotten less exploitative, like less tolerant of weird, gross things being done to other people. I, I think that if it, if it had been an older man who was like, it's hard to date now, guys who was like in his 60s, I'd be like... Well, I, you grew up in a different time. Yeah. He, um, he was my age, I think. Well, a little older, but um, I, I like, I like your mom's perspective that that's just, that's just how men flirted back in the day. Dude, you gotta love the boomers. Oh they, they are so, and she's they're not, so relaxed about it all. She's not the only one I've heard that from. Yeah. And if you take it back way back in time, you know, the old caveman trope, mm -hmm. caveman sees cavewoman. Hits cave woman with with club, drags back to. I mean, I would point out cave. that I would point out that that image that you're referring to comes from the 1950s. Oh, it does. Uh, and the 1950s, it is a piece of historical fact. It is on record that there was a heavy PR campaign to reestablish traditional quote unquote traditional gender roles mm. uh, when the when the men came back from World War II. If you looked at American society in the 1910s, 20s, and 30s, it looks a lot more like today's society than the 1960s does. You know, women worked. If anyone ever tells you that women didn't work before 20th century feminism, they're insane liars who don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Because women have worked for the entirety of history. Like, what do you think domestic staff was primarily made out, out of? And Poor women especially have always worked. Mm. Whether it was working in your own cottage industry pre-market revolution times, or whether it was working at a shop or working as a governess or working in a school, one of the things that has changed is that married women are allowed to work in larger industries. That was like mm. the major, the major shift. Uh, single women have always been able to work, and it's been a necessity for women to work almost the entirety of history. It is a privilege to operate on a single in income. Our society shifted significantly post-World War II. There was a lot of, of work through the mass media to get women back in the homes to make room for the male workforce coming back in because you do not want a bunch of unemployed ex-soldiers in your mm -hmm. society. Oh, yeah, that's Like, bad. that's bad news. That's bad. So they're like, ladies, how about some housewifery? Look at some of these labor-saving devices we've invented are, and are now producing uh, using the factories where we used to, where you used to work to build ammunitions. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. So 
that idea, the, the old caveman idea, was part of an advertising campaign in the 1950s. And it was part of the larger effort to ingrain these ideas of quote-unquote traditional gender roles. It was trying to convince you that this was the way that it always had been. So like from time immemorial, from caveman times, men and women operate together in this way. The woman is submissive and the the man is dominant and the man is the provider and the woman is emblematic of care and love and is just softer, gentler and stupider too. It, it's a bunch of stuff. But yes, thank you for listening. I, I'm always here to listen. Sometimes I have a couple of things to say too. Mm. But in this case, I didn't know that that was from the 1950s. Sometimes I, I just thought about it as this concept, you know, this like antiquated concept I thought of it as an example of like way, way, way further outdated gender norms of dating. But if it comes from the 50s, it's all tied into that same that same um, vehicle, right, of getting mm -hmm. men back into the workforce and encouraging women to not work, which mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably better than the alternative, you know, having a million homeless male vets on the streets not able to work or just in the homes, just growing increasingly depressed. Because what I know about PTSD is that even if you come back to a good job or a job in general from the war, like the actual war, I wasn't ever in the mm -hmm. war, but I know people who were. And even if you come back from that, have something waiting for you, family, job, whatever, it is still really rough to, to acclimate back to that. It's like at a certain point, it's like you're sitting and waiting for something important to happen and you're just kind of in waiting mode until it happens. And the something important you're waiting for ha to happen is the emergency, the alarm, the base that's being attacked. And when it never comes, you kind of feel like you don't have a purpose and it's 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 rough. It's rough. And imagine you take away the resources, you take away the potential for a job coming back. You're looking at a huge, huge problem. We already have a decent problem with with homeless vets, uh, unfortunately, in, in the U.S. Oh, yeah. So um, there's a societal logic to this PR for quote unquote traditional gender roles. You see the societal logic of it for sure. I'm just saying to you, do not be fooled by this particular <laughs> PR push from the middle of the 20th century. It was purposeful. It had a point and it is trying to fool you so that you'll do what it wants uh, and you can do whatever you want. Oh yeah. I should point out that having a bunch of unemployed veterans, real bad news, that's where the Nazis come from. Yeah, so like that was what the beer hall culture was in Weimar, Germany. Mm -hmm. A bunch of World War I vets who didn't have jobs to come back to, sitting around getting political and punching each other until they punched their way all the way into the uh, the Weimar Republic chancellorship and then fascism. The Weimar Republic, what is that? That's Germany between the Kaiser and the Nazis. Gotcha, so it was gotcha. a, it was a democratic republic called Weimar that replaced the Kaiser's government after they lost World War One. Mm, Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah, Kaiser Wilhelm. It was actually a democratic system that brought the Nazi party to power. The point is you do not want unemployed vets getting up to nonsense because in 15 years they could create a fascist government. Yeah. 
And you also want to keep a close eye on your PR pushes and your your propaganda. We all have propaganda. Yeah, like, understand you know? everything mm-hmm. is... For the good of the state, the state will produce propaganda to persuade you of its virtue, legitimacy, and bright future. And, like, just, just consume that content with a certain level of skepticism. Totally. Sometimes I think about all of the things that we just kind of collectively believe are true Mm -hmm. like you swallow one to ten spiders over the course of your lifetime some crazy made up seven spiders a year yeah that you inhale seven spiders a year over the course of your lifetime and that as i think you're going to say it was a totally made up yeah that that was um a made-up fact specifically Mm -hmm. to study the effect of nonsense yeah Basically, yeah. how how quickly can I get this into circulation, and are they willing to believe it? It was it was a controlled study by an academic, and it seems like the answer is very quickly, and people still believe it to this day. People love to share fun facts, yeah. And the funner the fact, the less likely it is to be true. Right. But we do just start circulating it. Uh, human beings remind me of birds in the sense that we're just constantly reporting to each other using our voices. Oh yeah, we're telling each other. Did you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Oh, I didn't know that. I should eat more breakfast. <laughs> or saying, oh, you know, they must have. Uh, I, the reason why I don't like Brussels sprouts as a kid, but now I like them as an adult is because my taste buds must have evolved when Mm -hmm. both of those are not true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Both of those are... One of them is the result of a marketing campaign from the 1930s. Which is the breakfast one. Yeah. And the the second one was the result of genetic modification of the Brussels sprout to make it a more delicious sprout. Yeah, from what I heard, the Dutch just engineered a way to make Brussels sprouts better. And that just became the dominant way that Brussels sprouts were made because they taste more delicious. So folks, if you're listening to this and you like Brussels sprouts now and didn't like them as a kid, it's not that your taste buds have evolved or grown up. It's that Brussels sprouts are literally different. They changed because we wanted them to be tastier. That's crazy. And we do that all the time. Um, Selective breeding is what it's called. Yeah. And we've been doing it for 10,000 years. Like the wheat that we currently consume used to be just a little blade of grass. Until someone got agriculturally funky. Dude, that's so cool. Right? And like the bananas that we consume used to come from just like these little seed pods that were much, much smaller and didn't have any of that delicious, creamy, meaty banananess in them. And we just selectively bred the the chunkiest banana sort until we got a big banana. Get those big, chunky bananas. Get those big, chunky bananas. Big old chunkers. Agriculture is fascinating. And so is the history of agriculture. So like in prehistory, we don't know, know a huge amount about it, but we do have the, the archaeological record of the evolution of these different food groups. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually essential for human beings to genetically modify through, through selective breeding our food supply because nature really doesn't want us to eat it. Like there are still places in Siberia where you can get a cantaloupe that has cyanide in its skin Whoa. because they haven't been selectively bred to the point that they're, they can be consumed without killing you lure your enemy to a cantaloupe in siberia give it to them as a treat mm-hmm. and watch them shuffle off this mortal coil that is crazy oh it's fun isn't it man so uh, is that to imply that like cantaloupe and other parts of the world before they evolved or they were me- genetically modified they also had cyanide in them yeah we've selectively bred out a bunch of um the 
the native plants defense mechanisms because plants are trying to get you not to eat them or oh, yeah. some of them are trying to get you to eat them so that their seeds will be spread and they they operate differently but most most foods that have a rind used to have like fatal chemicals in that rind so like we still have the cyanide that is present in in apple seeds but it's such a low concentration it's no it's no bother that wasn't always the case the heck there's cyanide in apple seeds yeah what like, like tiny mouths oh yeah but like that's bananas okay i'm like now 70 percent on that but i'm gonna like google check myself totally on that on that topic two things that i really enjoy coffee and spicy food the fun thing about both of those is they operate under the same principle the coffee beans they're designed to make you less inclined to eat them they're designed to make your heart beat so fast that you might like feel like something wrong is happening with your body or spicy food is designed to be so spicy like jalapenos are designed mm -hmm. to be so spicy that they literally burn your insides to discourage animals from eating them except for the birds that uh that they want to eat them and then seed them all over the world as they fly around but we look at that and go you know what we love coffee we love the rush and we love the rush of spicy food another friend of ours in particular we'll call him myers he loves spicy food he's like ghost peppers ghost chilies all of that stuff Yes. In defiance yes. of nature's desire for us to avoid those foods. Okay, so I Google checked myself and I am correct in that when a person chews an apple seed, a compound within it releases cyanide, which is toxic. Ooh. So it's not it, that it contains cyanide itself, it's that it contains the pre-compounds of cyanide. And it is not the only one either. So it's cyanogenic glycosides. And they are present in peach pits, apricot pits, cherry pits, and almonds. Holy crap. That's blown my mind, Laura. That is that is something. Dude, nature wants to kill you. That's why it's so easy to die of exposure. <laughs> it wants to return you into the earth from whence you came. That's why I find it hilarious that so many people, so many people I know are like, I want to return to nature. I like I'd like to spend time, so much of my time outdoors. And Dude, I'm like, don't worry, it'll get you there. Yeah, that's why I have I started to have I started having to refer to myself as athletic. Like, but not outdoorsy. Oh, yeah. To be yeah. clear about the distinction. Because there are a lot of people who want, who associate the two and are mm -hmm. like, I noticed that you do this. Would you like to spend a week outside? I'm like, maybe. We're going to call it camping. Like, I, <laughs> I like y'all. I guess I could figure out the infrastructure to do that in a way that all of my little sensitive guy things aren't really disturbed. Like my skin and my, my skin issues and like my really terrible eyesight. Uh, aren't yeah. don't become a problem when I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and my asthma, like it's like you just you just don't want to be out exposed to the elements for too long. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really sensitive to cold, and I cannot psychologically handle being unclean right. for long periods of time. Right. So yeah, that makes that makes camping a challenge unless there is a campsite shower, much like the shower that is currently like banging up against our window right now. Oh my gosh, uh, I know. Yeah. It's getting late. The rain is raining. Should we get back to work? I think we should. All right. I think we should. You know, let, let's get back to work. To be fair, I did enjoy one last thing. I did enjoy camping when we went camping previously. I think I could learn to enjoy more of it. Oh, but yeah. as long as I can find a shower like that, that I think is important. Yeah. I, I'm pro camping asterisk as long as there's a shower. Right.
But yeah, but I think it is a good time. Call it a day because it is pouring outside. So nature's taking a little shower out there and trying to kill us yet again mm-hmm. with rain and cold. Can't get us through these windows, though. Nope, they can't. Not yet, at least. All right, folks. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's been lovely chatting with y'all, per usual. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you know it'll be in the description. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify. We have a podcast page up on Instagram now. We'll link to that in the comments. Uh, very excited about that and excited to hear your thoughts on this episode. Yeah, connect with us. We love to hear from you and we will catch you on the next lunch break. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. This has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning into Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.